Welcome in to hour number two, Bruce Uli Show. Glad to have you along. 94.5 in Dayton, 98.9 Columbus. You miss a segment of the show. Uh, you can grab it on the podcast at our websites, 989theanswer, 989theanswer.com, or theanswerdayton.com. Click on the Listen tab, podcast page down to my show, and you will find it. The 1130 segment, I would highly recommend, particularly if you're Dan Tierney, the uh, PR hack flack of Governor Mike DeWine, because I had uh, a lot to say. Uh, about the governor, and none of it was good. But all, I mean, all of it was great, but none of it was complimentary uh, because the governor is an utter failure of a leader in the state of Ohio. You know how I know that? You know how I know the governor is a failure? Because I'm looking here at a story about what the Ohio State Board of Trustees did yesterday. And they, of course, I mean, I'm looking at a story, so that tells you I got it from the dispatch, and if the dispatch is running it, it's definitely not going to be complimentary of Senate Bill 83, which is the bill that would uh, return authentic American history to the teaching of American history in our classrooms across the state of Ohio. And, of course, the Ohio State Board of Trustees got this action from their meeting published in the dispatch because they are against Senate Bill 83 because... The dispatch will not allow a word complimentary of Senate Bill 83 to ever be published in its hopefully soon-to-be-extinct pages. What is wrong with Ohio Senate Bill 83, and why is its proposal indicative of the lack of leadership from our uh, feckless, impotent governor? Well, uh, one of the things that Senate Bill 83 would do would include rules aimed at ending mandatory diversity trainings. Now, I lost track of how many grifters report to work every day at Ohio State whose job is uh, a poisonous tentacle off the DEI tree. It's well over 60 of them. And the collective cost of their utterly unnecessary and needless salaries is well in excess of $5 million annually. But they just got rid of all diversity, equity, and inclusion training at universities in the state of Florida, where they have a bold leader in the governor's office named Ron DeSantis. So we are trying to do here, and it seems like this is something that happens a lot. State of Florida does something. Everybody reacts favorably to it in the conservative movement. And pretty soon, some state legislator who's an authentic Republican, which means they didn't vote for Jason Stevens for Speaker of the House, soon proposes pretty much the same concept in the Ohio State House, And it gets roundly disparaged in the Columbus Dispatch and in all other avenues of media. And while it is being roundly disparaged, little Mike DeWine hides behind the couch at the governor's mansion and says nothing about it. That is pretty much how things work here in the state of Ohio. What else would Senate Bill 83 do besides ending mandatory diversity training? Now, remember, this is opposed by the Ohio State Board of Trustees. Senate Bill 83 would also ban partnerships with Chinese institutions. Why would you be against that? It 
prohibits faculty unions from striking during contract negotiations. Would the Board of Trustees at Ohio State want its faculty to go on strike? Wouldn't they want their faculty to report for work? Why would they oppose a bill that makes it illegal for professors to go on strike? Uh, And it would also, Senate Bill 83, not the trustees, Senate Bill 83 would allow for students to rate professors on how well they've removed bias from their classrooms. In other words, it would, I mean, if you wanted to phrase this in wokeology, you'd say it would empower students. It would give voice to the voiceless. Maybe the trustees would be on board with it if we branded it as giving voice to the voiceless. No, because the trustees and the professors at Ohio State don't want what few conservative students can swallow hard and stomach being educated on that woke excuse for a campus. They don't want them to get a voice if they're currently voiceless. They want them to be shouted down and utterly silenced and probably preferably banished to a prison camp somewhere. So uh, the Ohio State Board of Trustees is fully on board with the universal opinion of the Columbus Dispatch and everyone who writes about the issue for the Columbus Dispatch of opposing Senate Bill 83. Now, I find this interesting because last night I sat down in a chair and I leafed through my daughter's, I'm not going to tell you how old she is, my daughter's history lessons, American history lessons for the entire school year. Okay? I had her book, her, well, there is no book. I had the source materials, put it that way. No book. That's a first alarm. There's no book. Why is there no book? Oh, because the teacher gets to assign source materials. Hmm, my tentacles went up. So I'm leafing through the entire year's American history lesson. And there's unit one, there's unit two, and there's unit three. And we went all the way up to unit seven. We're in unit seven right now, maybe unit eight. And do you know what I found to be the recurring theme in every single unit of American history? Every single one. If you had to say, through what prism is this course being taught it would unquestionably be glaringly obvious that the prism through which it is being taught is the slavery prism. Now, I certainly do not advocate for slavery, but I find it interesting that America has a unique founding with brilliant legislative checks and balances like three separate but co-equal branches of government, a House of Representatives of 435 members determined by the population, the number of representatives you get in each state is determined by your population, yet that is balanced by each state in the union having two senators regardless of population, that the Senate checks the House, the House checks the Senate. The executive branch with a president can check the legislative branch, and over it all, or at least around it all, not over it all, but around it all, is a Supreme Court that if two of the branches decide to join in violation of the Constitution, that the Supreme Court exists and is not subject to the vagaries of elections with lifetime appointments of its justices, 
to provide a fail-safe check and balance. I find that to be brilliant. I find the Electoral College to be brilliant. None of it, none of it was covered in any of my daughter's American history lessons. I find it ironic that the United States of America had a decidedly Christian founding. There are multiple source materials out there that could be accessed, not just on the internet, but in actual books with covers and publishers detailing the faith of our founders and how it impacted their brilliant vision of what America should be and could be. None of that was covered in my daughter's American history curriculum. I have questions about why that is. I will be asking those questions. And you should have questions about it too. Because it's very clear from an issue currently in front of the Ohio House that the Democrats are not going to stop in their unending effort to wokeify, which conveniently rhymes with what it really is, lie about our nation's history. Democrats in the Ohio House are sponsoring a bill to bring multiculturalism to social studies lessons in the state's K-12 classrooms. Uh, the head of this, the uh, the person behind it, is Mary Lightbody, a Democrat from Westerville, a former teacher. She is worried about using the American birthright model to create new social studies standards. What does Miss Ms. Lightbody not like about the birthright model? Well, it doesn't have enough in it about the contributions of cultural minority groups. Man, they never stop. I always say it. They never, ever, ever hold a victory party. They never stop. They've taken over our schools. We finally, during COVID, got a window into what's going on in our classrooms, and people have woken up, but we're still losing too many school board elections. We still have too many people who were silenced in those meetings. We still have too many boards that are empowered with leftists who are perpetuating a system that has been in place to keep that system in place. That's what's behind Angela Chapman being elevated to superintendent of Columbus City Schools. The Jennifer Adair, the head of the board, admitted it as much. She gets us. She's one of us. And the same is true with the appointment of a new superintendent in Olentangy. Meet the new superintendent. Same as the old superintendent. Interesting interview, Bill Barr, former Attorney General under Donald Trump, on with Brett Baer last night on Special Report. We're going to get to extensive comments from uh, Bill Barr in our final half hour. But in the aftermath of the Durham report, it is being uh, disparaged by all the people who were exposed in it as engaging in what was really an attempted coup d'etat of Donald Trump's election as president. And... One of the people who came up with the whole fanciful Russia collusion hoax is now our national security director, okay? Jake Sullivan. Jake Sullivan was a hack on the Hillary Clinton campaign who came up with the idea, well, you know, we got this bad email server thing, Hillary, and that's crushing you in the polls, and you just might lose the election. What if we tied Donald Trump to Russia? 
In part, that was Jake Sullivan's idea. Jake Sullivan's now national security director. There are a lot of other people in the Obama White House who are now in the Biden White House who were going to be in the Hillary White House, which thankfully never happened. Oh, one of the people, by the way, is uh, someone that you know fairly well. At least you know the voice. Um, see if this sounds a little bit familiar. It is from MSNBC. Soon after Donald Trump was elected president, and Chris Hayes is talking to a panelist. See if you recognize this panelist's voice prattling on about how evil Donald Trump is. I think all of these loose dots are actually more of a connection that leads to concrete evidence that there is, there was potentially something happening, happening, a collusion with Russia. Gee, that sounds like the White House uh, press secretary. Only because it is the White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Now, here is uh, KJP in her current role yesterday at the White House being asked about the impending debt ceiling. And what if the uh, United States defaults on its debt? The questioner is Jackie Heinrich of Fox News. How is it not a crisis when the country literally owes more than it's worth? You should ask the speaker this question. This is his job. This is his constitutional duty to move forward and get the debt limit done. That is a question for him. Does Joe Biden have a sign on his desk that says the buck stops over there? You notice how nothing is this guy's fault? Nothing is this guy's fault. It's always Trump's fault, or it's always the Congress's fault, or it's the white nationalist's fault, or it's the Christian extremist's fault. Everything's somebody else's fault. Yeah, way to take responsibility. Way to take responsibility. Taking responsibility, of course, is hard. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. It subjects you to criticism. So whenever I can, when I have evidence of someone doing it, of someone facing that down, that kind of oppressive, you're not really going to take this position, are you? I mean, you know this is going to cost you your job. You know this might cost you money. This might compromise your popularity, your prominence, your power, your prestige. You're not really going to do that, are you? You're not really going to speak your mind. You're not really going to exercise your right to free speech, are you? Are you? Are you? Really? Sure. You want to do that? I mean, nice life you have. Be ashamed if something happened to it. This was the case yesterday. CNBC interviewing Elon Musk at a Tesla board meeting. And the CNBC anchor was like trying to tell Elon Musk that, you know, being out front on the... uh, Initial battle lines, defending free speech, that's that's just really not good for market share. But how do you make a choice? You don't see, I mean, in terms of when you're going to engage. I mean, for example, even today, Elon, you, you, you tweeted this thing about George Soros. Well, I'm looking for it because I want to make sure I quote it properly. But, I mean, you know what you wrote. But you basically... I think it reminds me of Magneto's. It's like, you know, calm down, people. This is not like made a federal well, case s- out of it. <laughs> you, also, you, know, <laughs> you said he wants to erode the very fabric of civilization and Soros hates humanity. Like, when you do something like that, do you Yeah, think I think about, that's true. That's my opinion. Okay. But why share it? Why share it? Especially, be, I mean, why share it when people who buy Teslas may not agree with you? Advertisers on Twitter may not agree with you. Um, 
why not just say, hey, I think this. You can tell me. We can talk about it over there. You can tell your friends. But why share it widely? I mean, uh, I, this is freedom of speech. I'm allowed to say what I want. You wanted. absolutely are. But I'm trying to understand why you do, because you have to know it's got a there. It puts you in, a, in the middle of a the partisan divide in the country. It makes you a, a lightning rod for criticism. I mean, do you like that? I. You know, people today saying he's an anti-Semite. I don't think you are. No, I'm definitely. I'm, okay. I'm like I'm like a pro-Semite, if anything. <laughs> I I believe that probably is the case. Yes. But why would you even introduce the idea then that that would be the the case? I, I mean, look, we don't want to make this a George Soros interview. No, um, God no. I don't. So, I don't want to at uh, all. But I'm what I'm trying. Even came up though in the annual meeting. I mean, you know, do your tweets hurt the company? Are there Tesla owners who say, I don't agree with his political position because, and I know it because he shares so much of it. Or are there advertisers on Twitter that Linda Yaccarino will come and say, you got to stop, man. Or, you know, I can't get these ads because of some of the things you tweet. This is one of the things Elon Musk does. When he doesn't have an answer to a question, he thinks. He's sitting there. He's thinking this over. Thinking, thinking, thinking. You know, I'm reminded of uh, the, the, the scene in The Princess Bride. Great movie. Great movie. Um, where he confronts the person who killed his father. And he says, Offer me money. Offer me power. I don't care. So you just don't care. You want to share what you have to say. I'll say what I want to say, and if if if, uh, if the consequence of that is losing money, so be it. Okay. Now that is a value system that you can tell the guy from CNBC is not familiar with, because he is not willing to let truth be his guide. He is not willing to let what is right be his guide. Look, I can't make the decision for you. You've got responsibilities. You've got people to provide for. You have people counting on you. I get it. You might have years in at a certain company, blah, 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 blah. I get it. I understand it. That's a decision, how to react, that you have to make with your spouse and hopefully through prayer and Bible reading and the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. But you can't just... Stay quiet because of what it might cost you.